It's really. Okay, kids leave. <laughs> what about some of us going through our second childhood? Can we leave too? <laughs> Isaiah chapter 1. What a blessing it is to be here in South Dakota. I'm telling you, I'm seeing things I, I don't see very often. That white stuff out there on the ground. Where I come from, that would be the result of cottonwood trees shedding. So uh, we're excited about that. We're excited about seeing trees. We like seeing trees. We uh, have enjoyed the people. The people here in South Dakota are extremely friendly. We like that. We think God's people ought to be friendly, don't you think? Amen. Amen. You ought to feel welcome when you come to the house of the Lord. You ought to feel welcome. And it's just a blessing to be here. You've got a dynamite of a pastor. Um, when I first met him, um, man, he was about day tall that then. And uh, little did I know how God would use him. And little would I ever, could have ever imagined that one day I'd be standing at the church that God's called him to. Been able to preach for him, for his people, for the cause of Christ. It's an honor. More than you can imagine. You, you don't really realize the end result of the things you're doing right now. But if the Lord allows you to live long enough, you'll get to see some of that. And we're seeing some of that. We thank the Lord for it. And Brother Yoder was a teenager. We'd take him on mission trips. I have nothing against camps or conferences. Not, nothing. We'd, take, we'd do things like that too. But for them, riding horses and living outside wasn't a big thrill. So I took them on mission trips, and we went from church to church. But they had to qualify in order to go on those mission trips. They had to be faithful to the church. They had to read so much of the Bible. They had to memorize scriptures. They had to live exemplary lives. They had to participate in the fundraisers. And when it was all said and done, we were able to take them on trips. And, um, and what we would do is we would go from church to church. And at one particular trip, we went to South Texas. And I wanted them to be able to see uh, the Roloff Ministries from Lester Roloff. And uh, we arranged where they could, we could go there and they could work a week there. And uh, we were able to preach and, and uh, just participate in the activities of the church there. But it was through those trips that uh, we learned a lot about your pastor uh, when he was young. We told the story about how that uh, we'd go to a motel and uh, the biggest and the littlest would get the bed. The rest of the boys had to sleep everywhere else. I was the biggest. Your pastor was the littlest. <clears throat> and um, my first experience with that with your pastor was uh, we get in bed and um, 
in the middle of the night, I would find myself two or three, four times picking him up off my body and putting him back on his side. He was like that. Leg and everything. Picking him up, putting him back on his side. And so I gave him a hard time about that uh, in front of uh, some people, and we gave him an opportunity to give testimony. And in his testimony, he said, the preacher didn't tell the rest of the story. The rest of the story was he was so heavy and I was so light, it did that to the bed, and I just rolled downhill. <laughs> that was fun, and he, he was always, has always been witty. But one thing I would tell him just before we'd go to sleep, I'd say, Ivan, Fatty and Skinny were laying in bed. Fatty rolled over, and guess who's dead? <laughs> we had a fun time with him. He was sharper than a tack. He still is. He was sharp. He was small. We'd get stands to, for him to stand on to give a testimony or preach. Uh, he, he had a, 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 a preacher voice. Everybody looked at him and would think he was 10 years old. He was about 15. But his size, he's grown up. But his size. And he'd stand up there and he'd project some things from the Word of God and preach and teach and give testimony. And they were all impressed with his skills. And my fear as his pastor was, with so much compliment as a young person, he could become full of himself and get full of pride. And so we tried to keep him humble. And, uh, and I think you've got a humble pastor. And I know that's a hard work of mom and dad as well. But uh, you've got a humble pastor, you've got a good pastor, and he's got your best at heart. That's why he's having a revival. He knows the greatest joy you'll ever have is if you're walking with the Lord and you're in tune with heaven. Wilt thou not revive us again that we may rejoice? You can get happy, be happy walking in the Lord. And I appreciate everything. Appreciate the real nice room. Thank you for taking care of that room. It's a very nice room. It's comfortable. It's very nice. And I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for the fruit basket, whoever prepared that. And uh, the food that we've been eating. Thank you very, very much, church. God bless you. All right, if you have your Bibles, take your Bibles and turn with me to uh, Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. We're going to read a few verses, I'm going to have a, a word of prayer, and then we're going to get, jump right into the message, okay? Isaiah chapter 1, look with me at verse 2. See, the vision, this vision was given to Isaiah, the son of Amos. But in verse 2, he says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Oh, how terrible would that be for you to pour your life into your kids and for them to grow up and rebel against you. The Lord says, the ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know my people, doth not consider. My people doth not, uh, excuse me, that loudest confused me. Uh, let me read that again. The ox knoweth his, his owner, and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. Ah, Sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evil doers, children that are corruptors, that have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Why should ye be stricken anymore? 
uh, you will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. <clears throat> From the sole of the feet even unto the head there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Let's look down at verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of the burnt offerings of ram and the fat of, of, of fed beast, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of goats. When ye come to appear before me who hath required this at your hands uh, to tread my courts, bring no more vain ob oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointment feast, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to hear them. And when ye spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make your prayers, I will not hear. And your hands are full of blood. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray that you would open up our eyes and help us to behold wondrous things from your word and see what happened to the chosen people and what can happen to the believers if we don't turn from our wicked way. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to see things. And Father, I pray that you help us to hear and listen with our heart. And I pray that you'll help us to, uh, the, to allow the, uh, the, anything that would cause us to lose focus to be minimum. And I pray, Father, that you'll help us to think on spiritual things. May thy will be done. Please allow me to be sensitive to the promptings and the leading of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Israel was established to be a special people unto God. They were and are the people of God. When Israel crossed forbidden lines, it was nonsense. No nation has had the eyes of God and treated so special as Israel. Yet they were full of foolishness in their works and worship. Uh, this too was nonsense to God. They spurred and abandoned God and His laws. We see that in verses 3 and 4. Uh, they rejected God's correction. We see that in verse 5, 6, 7, and 8. Uh, the, the promised land laid in ruins and their cities were burned all, and, and barren all because of their nonsensical ways. Sadly, they broke the heart of God because they were full of nonsense that nauseated God. Now, I want to tell you something. The Lord Jesus Christ established the church. New Testament believers are special to God. As the Jews were and are special to God, the New Testament church is special to God. This church isn't, uh, doesn't consist of brick and mortar and sheetrock and carpet and, and uh, chairs. No, it's you people that have banded together. You're the church. You're the Brookings uh, Bible Baptist Church. 
You're the one. Jesus died and established the church, and he established them with a purpose in mind. We see that he offered salvation first to the Jew, and they rejected it. And then whosoever will benefits as a result of what Jesus has done. He founded the church. He spent his earthly life reaching people with the gospel and training the church to take over when he was gone. Now in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, we see seven churches mentioned there. Every church is important to God. They were warned of impending judgment, except they repent. When I say repent, the word repent means to change your thinking. Your thinking. When your thinking is changed, your direction will be changed. I have a hard time with people when they say they've been saved, but there's nothing that's changed in their life. You see nothing. He that hath the Son hath life. Uh, you're no longer condemned to a devil's hell as a result of accepting Jesus into your life. Uh, there ought to be a change. And people ought to see it, sense it, and know that there's something different about you. Now, the Lord was warning them of impending judgment except they repent. Now, we see the church of Laodicea actually making God sick enough to spew them out. They were lukewarm. They were not cold. They were not hot. He would that they were cold or hot, but lukewarm wasn't acceptable to God. It made him sick. For the church to be lukewarm, you're not excited about the things of God, but yet you're not living the heathen life. You're just kind of somewhere in the middle. You're not cold. You're not hot. You're just somewhere in the middle. I'm talking about nonsense that nauseates God. And if we're not careful, we could be just that people that nauseate God. And we don't want to nauseate God. We want to be a blessing to God. I'm not used to this thing, so please forgive me. I've got to keep putting it on my ear. Now, in our text, well, first of all, I've been pastoring for 37 years. And I've seen people make the mistakes of their life in, in pastoring for these years, which have affected their children. If it only affected me, if my sin only affected me, okay. But it doesn't affect me. It affects my wife. It affects my children. It affects my grandchildren to come. My sin. It affects my community. It affects how God can bless my home or bless my church. My sin. So that's why I need to be right with God. So that my church can benefit the blessings of heaven as a result of having a pastor that's right with God. So that my wife can benefit the blessings of heaven because she has a husband right with God. So that my children can benefit from heaven because they have parents that are right with God. Now in our text we find that God uh, cannot stand uh, with what His people were doing. God became disgusted with their doings and nauseated with their nonsense. And we too can disgust the divine with nonsense. With God's help, I want us to learn some lessons to not nauseate God with nonsense. Now God has saved us for a purpose. And if we're not serving that purpose, then we're living a life full of nonsense. And we don't want to be that in-between thing there that causes 
God to be nauseated by the way that we live. Verse 10, it says, Hear ye, hear, hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom, give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. God is fed up with the wickedness of his people. He has gone so far, and if you read it all, all the way to verse 10, if you read it all, he's referring to them and comparing them to Sodom and Gomorrah, Gagamagot. Comparing them to the sins of Sodom, comparing them to the sins of Gomorrah. In other words, God compares his people with the wild, wicked, perverted people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, perversity was prominent uh, in, in, in Israel, and it was that, uh, that, that was the nonsense that nauseated God. God didn't make Adam and Steve. God made Adam and Eve. And, and God has a plan for the home. He has a plan for a man. He has a plan for a lady. One wife, one husband for one lifetime. That's God's intention. But we go and thwart the will of God and the way of God with our unrighteous living, and then we justify our sin. That's nonsense that nauseates God. His people were filthy and as wicked as the devil. But under, uh, and, and we've got to understand that, that, that we're free will of people. We can do wrong. We can do right. We can yield ourselves to unrighteousness. We can yield ourselves to righteousness. If we yield ourselves to unrighteousness, we suffer the consequences. If we yield ourselves to righteousness, we reap the benefits and the blessings. But we can do that. Under the inspiration of God, Isaiah proclaimed, Hear the word of the Lord. Give ear unto the law of our God. Aren't you glad you're a part of a Bible-preaching, Bible-believing, Bible-Baptist church? Yes, the emphasis ought to be upon, Thus saith the Lord. When the Amish came out, they were used to a bishop telling them this, that, this, and that. And whatever the bishop said, that was the way it was supposed to be. And they were asking me questions as if I was the bishop. Like they were used to. And I would constantly say, uh, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? And I was trying to direct the attention toward the Word of God. And that ought to be the emphasis of the child of God, is what does God say? How does God feel about the subject? It doesn't matter what I think is right. It doesn't matter what I think is wrong. What does the Bible say? Too many people go by what people say instead of what God says. I'd rather go by what God says than what people say. Isaiah proclaimed, How? Hear the word of the Lord. Uh, give ear to the law of our God. They were commanded to listen and obey. Israel needed to put to practice God's word. They were unwilling at this time to listen and obey, which produced nonsense. That nauseated God. I hope you get that down in your mind when I talk about nonsense that nauseates God. It is wonderful that we've come to church and it's wonderful that we have the ability to, uh, to, to live stream. And God bless you live streamers. Glad you're tuned on, turned on and tuned in. So glad. And I'm praying that you get something out of this. And I'm praying that the distractions at home would be minimum for you. And I pray that God can speak uh, through this, for your sake and for our sake. 
But if we refuse to listen and to obey, then what good is it to turn on and tune in or come to church if we refuse to listen and put to practice the things that God has instructed? We must be doers of the Word and not hearers only. I would rather hear this from God, well done than well said. There are a lot of talkers out there that they can talk very, very good. And they have convinced a lot of people that they know what they're talking about. No, they've just got the ability to communicate. Uh, but it may not be from heaven. And what we need to do is be able to know our Bible so well that we can see the difference between what man says and what God says. The Bible says, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? O thou Master of, of all, Lord of my life, and then go and do your own thing. Why call the Lord the Master, your Master, your Lord, if you're not doing what He says to do? And Luke eleven twenty eight says, But He said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the Word of God and keep it. Keep it. Doing it. Performing it. Practicing it. So what if your wealth of knowledge on what the Bible says means nothing to God? But what means everything to God is you put to practice that which you know from the Word of God. Be ye doers of the Word, not hearers only. The Bible says knowledge, knowledge puffeth up. And there's a whole lot of theological nothings out there. They know a lot, but they do nothing. And then you find this child that's just recently gotten saved that learned John 3.16. They know something. And they're putting to practice what little they know. And that means more to God than somebody that, that has vast knowledge and doing nothing. Let's not be one of that, those crowds. What I'm trying to say here is indifference toward God's Word is nonsense that nauseates God. Secondly, insincerity in worship uh, is nonsense that nauseates God. God knows your heart. He sees your heart. He knows the motive for what you do, for what you say, and why. He knows all that. He knows why you come to church. I have people uh, come to church, and sometimes they think that it's, it's a business opportunity for them. Well, then they find out that the first church downtown is bigger than our church, and so they, they go there because there's more business opportunities. You know, when you have that crowd coming to try to fleece the flock, it doesn't make for a better church. It makes for a less quality church. I've had preachers come in through the years, and Brother um, Yoder, you, you may have already too. And, and here's what they tell me. I, I can assure you a way that you can double your income, possibly triple it. And when you start listening to it, basically it's fleecing the flock. You sell this to them because they have confidence in your leadership. You get them excited about this, 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 and this. I have problems when the preacher gets the better deal when he's negotiating a price with his people. I have a real problem with that. I think he ought to be the example of letting the member get the better deal. Not the pastor. That's, that's, that's nonsense that nauseates God. When you have these insincere people that are acting like 
Uh, they know what they know, and they don't know what they know. I mean, if we really want revival and be revived to the things of God, folks, uh, we're going to have to understand, we're going to have to be true and pure and, and right with God and not insincere. Brethren, we have met to worship and to adore our God, the Lord our God. Will you pray with all your power while we try to preach the word? All is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. Brethren, pray in holy manna will be showered all around. I met Mindy before services this morning, before Sunday school. And, uh, and I don't know why I said this to her, but I said, will you pray for me? She kind of looked at me funny. Okay, okay. And then after Sunday school, she said, she come up to me and says, why, why did you need the prayer? You did fine. I said, I did fine because you prayed. Prayer changes things, Mindy. Thank you for your prayer. And I hope you're praying now for me because I need the prayer. I've told all of our people, I've said, I've said it several times. I was up to the, the wee hours in the night and, and, uh, and, and I'm saying, Lord, I don't know what your people need. I don't even know if I'm capable of giving them what they need. But I know you do and you can. Yes. Trying to be sensitive to uh, the dear people that God wants to revive. Now, revival is in your court. If you want to be revived, you can be revived. God wants to, everybody to, uh, to be revived and, and live gloriously, uh, hope for Him. And there's blessings to be had, if we do. But it requires something to be revived. It doesn't cost you anything to be saved. It costs Jesus dearly, it cost Him His life to be saved. But it, but it doesn't, didn't cost you anything to be saved. But it costs you to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, to be revived. There are some things that you say no to, and no to the flesh, and yes to the Lord, as a result of being one of His disciples. Now the issue with the Jews was insincerity in their worship. And insincerity lacks devotion, which lacks faith, and produces a lack of obedience, which is nonsense, and nauseates God. They were outwardly going through the motions of worship, but inwardly they were still rebellious. When I was a kid, I went to a public school way back in the dark ages when no one had any kind of fun. And I spent more time in the corner. More time in the corner. It was, it was crazy. But because I spent so much time with my nose in the corner, I figured out ways that I could have the time of my life in that corner. In my mind, I was out playing baseball. My body was right there with my nose in the corner. But I started imagining uh, what life could be like if we didn't have such horrible things called teachers. And I'm going to tell you something. There are a lot of people that come to church that their mind isn't on worshiping and adoring our Lord. They're thinking about fishing. They're thinking about what they've got to do tomorrow. They think about what they've already accomplished up to this point. They're thinking about something else other than, Lord, speak to me. Show me what would help me to be a better Christian, to live for you. God, help me. I'm in need of help. Lord, help me. Well, that ought to be our prayer. If we want to be revived, it's going to cost something. Otherwise, it's nonsense that nauseates God. Worship is to find worth in God and to adore Him. 
insincerity leads to contradictions. Their outward worship was a contradiction of what was taking place inward. So when you've got a hypocrite that looks the part, but on the inside he's not the part. Outside, uh, he, you know, he's a whited sepulcher. Looks pretty. But you get inside of it and it stinks, full of dead men, uh, rotting, decaying flesh. And that's why a lot of Christians are to God, and it's nonsense that nauseates the Lord. Insincerity in worship is, a, is, is nonsense that nauseates God. In verses 14 and 15, your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to hear them. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear your hands are full of blood. The nonsense of the Jews irritated God. Their feasts, their festivals were intended to honor God, but instead it disgusted the divine. God hated their feast because they were a trouble to God. It was that insecure, that wicked people that claimed to be worshiping God and yet they had no intentions of worshiping God. They were just going through the motions. This was nonsense uh, that irritated God and nauseated Him. Their prayers went unanswered. They refused the truth of God's Word. When you refuse the truth of God's Word, you can expect not to have your, your prayers answered. I don't know about you, but just at any moment, tragedy can happen. Somebody needs uh, you to be on praying grounds. I have seen it. I remember a time in Philadelphia. I, I, I preached on a Sunday about uh, what to do when disaster strikes. And within 24 hours, Brother Glenn's older sister, I think it was, was killed by a trucker that ran over their buggy. The mother of ten children? Eleven. Eleven children. All of them without a mother. Their hearts broken, not knowing whether or not she had ever been saved. They had not been in the church too long. Now tragedy has happened. What are you going to do? Are you going to abandon the faith because of tragedy? We loaned them our car. They went all the way there. They... they they did what they could do. The Amish would not allow them to do much. If anything, they shunned them. It was sad. It was sorrowful. It was hard. What are you going to do? Are you going to be right with God? What would have happened if I was wrong with God during that Sunday before the tragedy? They reminded me of that message that, that prepared them for what they experienced. I didn't know. What would, what would it have been if I had thought, well, I'm going to just preach this because it was easy to preach and, and I'm a little tired today and this is what I need to do. No. 
I believe that was the will of God, and I believe it was the way of God, and I prayed it down, and God gave it to me. And then uh, when tragedy struck, we were on praying grounds. We were able to assist and help as best as we could. That's one of many examples through the years. God's people need to be on praying grounds. It could be one of yours. One of your children. You're going to need to be on praying grounds. People of faith need to be on praying grounds. It could be somebody from the church. It could be. What's going to happen when someone says, will you pray for me? Oh, well, wait a minute. I've, I've got to get right with God. No, they need prayer now. They need prayer now. Prayer sustains you. Prayer enables you to do things that you never thought you could do before because you prayed and God has enabled you. They refused the truth of God's Word. They regarded iniquity in their heart. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. They had rotten reasons for praying. They weren't praying with the right motives. And James chapter 4 and verse 3 says, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. I like doing for my children. I like giving them what they want and what they, what they need. Of course they're going to get what they need. But I like doing for them things that they want. But some of the times, the things that they want is the wrong thing. You don't give a three-year-old a pocket knife. A butcher knife. You don't do that. They think that they're big and man enough to handle it. But they're not. And sometimes we're praying, oh God, I need this and I need that. And God says, yeah, but if I give it to you, you'll start missing church. If I give it to you, you'll be using that and enjoying that instead of sitting in a pew rejoicing in me. And so God says, no, you're asking, you're asking with the wrong motives. Why should I, and I've told this to our people, why should I pray for your business to do better when, when already you can't hardly decide whether you should come to church or tend to your business? Why, why, why don't I just pray, Lord, help that business to be manageable so that they cannot neglect the things of God? Wouldn't that be a good way of praying? Nobody wants that type of prayer. You see, they had rotten reasons for praying. They lived like reprobates. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. It's not that God's incapable of hearing. God says, I'm not going to listen. You're living like a, a rejecter, a reprobate, a castaway. You're living that way. You've, you've shunned me. You had nothing to do with me, and now you're in a need, and you want to pray? I'm not listening. They resisted forgiving others. I'm talking about the Jews that nauseated God, and it can apply towards Christians as well. Somebody's done you out of nickel. You're going to hold it against them for the rest of their life. I learned a long time ago when... When I loan money out in my heart, I've given it to them. If I've got it to give it, if I've got it to loan it, then I've got it to give it. But I'm not going to loan them something that I have to have. But when they say, Will, can I borrow this? 
In my mind, I said, okay, when do you expect to pay back? Okay, and then I'm talking mainly your children. You know how that is. How are we going to get this thing paid back? All right, now, if I've got it to loan, in my heart, they don't know this, I've got it to give. Because, see, if they don't, you know, things happen. Well, I, I lost my job, this, that, this, that, this, that, this, that. I can't pay you back. Then that's when uh, that nickel uh, begins to develop into bitterness. And so we're bitter at somebody because they owe us a nickel. I'm not going to sleep that way. No, no, no. In my heart, I'm reminded again, you, you gave it to me. Yes, Lord, I sure did. And then in some cases, I've not only said I've given it to them, I've given it to God. And if they pay it back, it goes from my hand into the offering for God's glory. Now, do, am I independently wealthy? Not anywhere close. I just know that you can't outgive God. I have learned through the years, give by command and receive by faith. Give and it shall be given. You give, get, give, get. That's the Bible. That's the Bible. You give. It's not you get and then you give. You give, get. So you can give some more, get some more. Give, get, give, get. And then before long, you're a channel of blessings. Not a reservoir, but a channel of blessings used of God to be a blessing uh, for the cause of Christ. They resisted forgiving others. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. We forgive others. God has forgiven us for something far greater than what we could ever hold against somebody else. God. All this is laying found, uh, groundwork for revival. Do you want to be revived? Salvation's free. God is so good. Jesus paid a price he didn't owe. We owed a debt we couldn't pay. He applied his credit to our debit, and it justified the account. That's my God. If you're here today and don't know where you're going to spend eternity, don't leave those doors. Because we are here and we can show you the matter of moments how you can be saved. It's not by being baptized. It's not by joining a church. It's by receiving Christ by faith into your heart. And at that precise moment that you say, I take Jesus, and you receive him in the heart, you've been born into the family of God. Meaning, there's, never, there's not one Bible example of anybody that's been born into the family of God get unborn. Means you're his child forever. And being his child, then you have the Holy Spirit of God. And he'll start teaching you right from wrong in a spiritual sense. Don't worry about your wicked past. God can forgive it and give you a glorious future. I promise if you could have known me pre-salvation days, you would never could imagine that I'd be a preacher. Never. My friends grew up to be druggies. Some of them died. The ones that lived through all that have been married a dozen times, and the people that have now, they're just living with and have kids by everybody. That could have been me. 
probably would have been me, or prison. The preacher said to my mother, you better get a handle on that boy. Uh, he's going to end up in prison. Boy, that didn't sit well with my mother at all. She started weeping and wailing. And then he said, or he'll be a preacher. He got a hold of my heart. Changed my life. And as best as I can, I've been trying to deliver the goods that God has given for 37 years. Little, little did I know, years ago, there had been Amish group, and when they walked in, I wasn't first to meet them. I stood back. I had two mature preachers. They went and met them. And they both come back and said, you've got to meet them. So sheepishly, reluctantly, while we were eating lunch, I went by and met them briefly. I was scared to death. I quit high school to go. I quit high school. You're looking at a high school dropout. A lot of things I don't know and didn't know. But I have learned some things through the years. God saves. God changes lives. And little would I have ever dreamed that one day the dear brother that scared the fire out of me that we would have the wonderful opportunity of leading his family to the Lord baptizing all of them, including dad and mom. Then one day, he'd be the thunder in the pulpit. The gracious man of God that God has given this church. I can rejoice. I didn't know. It doesn't matter. Just pour your lives into people for Christ's sake and Eventually, <laughs> you'll, you'll see some results. God is good. If you're not saved, please be saved. And if you are saved, let's get right and work at staying right and get revived. Let's have a heavy bath. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity of being in this church. And I pray that you'll bless during this invitation time as Pastor Yoder comes and um, directs the invitation. I pray that you'll bless. Speak to our hearts. Uh, help the lost to come. Those that don't know where they're going to spend eternity to come. And those that just need a time at an old-fashioned altar. That they come and uh, spend time and do business with you. And I pray that you'll speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Would you stand along with me? She begins to play. The invitation is clear today. God wants to use you. He wants to have you. You don't always know. He doesn't want you to hold.